Speeding and the sound is speeding. Ah, hi, welcome to another episode of This Week of Drew, the Monday edition for Monday, April 10th, 2023. On today's episode, I had, oh, I'm on the fucking road again, and <laughs> uh, Greg, Greg's not going to like this episode, but that's fine, shit, yo. It's my motherfucker freestyle, oh, when I start my big Drew show. Beverly 118 is where I'm at, smoking green on the app, smoking crack. What? Hang on a sec. <laughs> Hi, welcome to another episode of This Week with Drew, the Monday edition for Monday, April 10th, 2023. Okay, so uh, actually, I got, I kind of, no, I don't have a lot to talk about, but I do have stuff I want to talk about. So um, let's start off the show right off the bat with a little bit of a. Uh, okay, so I had a good weekend. Actually, yo, okay, so it was the Masters this weekend. It was Easter this weekend. I was on the road this weekend. But I want to do a little live update here because I told you last week that I had totally custied out on the fucking Masters. I bet on, I made like 15, I bet on 15 different guys. Um, and I didn't bet on Kepka. Oh, my ROM bet came through. Okay, so here we go. So I, th- I think I... <laughs> I lost every single bet except for my fucking John Rom bet, who I took at 11 to 1 and I put 30 cents on him to win the fucking Masters. And I lost every other bet because I bet on fucking, let's see, who did I bet on? I bet on Scheffler, JT, fucking Spieth, Xander, fucking Minwoo Lee. That was my long shot. I was like, Minwoo Lee, Minwoo Lee, he's for me. Because uh, I had him on 71 to 1 odds to win the fucking thing. Cam Smith. Oh, Cam Smith. I love fucking Cam Smith. He looks like Jetski. Hey, Bubba and Marnus. Doesn't Cam Smith look like Jetski? I always think it's Jetski out there, like a weird, like little mini Jetski. Uh, I had Rory, who didn't even fucking. He didn't even make the cut. And then I put 30 cents on Rom the win at 11 to 1. And I won $3.30. So I'm only out fucking four bucks. On all my gambo. <laughs> and I live to fucking die another day. I live to gambo another day. Uh, yes. Okay. So that was my weekend. I had the Masters. Let's... That was Sunday. Let's go back to Thursday now. Um, so Thursday, I had a fucking super long day. Uh, it was a fucking... Because I told you we booked the Lose P-Meal Bacon TikTok campaign. Mark Anthony, Synagoga, and I. So, uh, in the contract, uh, we had said we're going to come up with 10 uh, ideas, and then we're going to pitch those to the client, and then they were going to pick six. So, uh, we came up, that was the day that we were brainstorming, and we're going to use Mark's Doug Ford character for at least a couple of them. So, we had some ideas there. We really only had to kind of come up with like four or five, but we still gave him 10. Um, So, it was gnarly. Like, I woke up, I went to the gym, went to work, I fucking inputted all my shit, because not only did I have, like, if Friday was a day off, so I didn't have a day to do my, my my weekend radio show. So essentially I did my regular radio show and then I had to pre-record a whole weekend of radio show, like seven hours or nine hours of a radio show on the weekend. And then I had to do the fucking pea meal bacon campaign shit. So honestly that Thursday, like literally every single minute of my life was like occupied from seven o'clock in the morning until I got home at like one o'clock in the morning. Because after I was done the lose pea meal bacon pitch, I had to fucking hop in the car and drive up to Aurelia to go to this fucking pizza place 
that Greg Enright, who I told you about a couple weeks ago, he's the guy who runs the show at the brewery here in Georgetown and a couple other really, really great venues. Like he's a really, really good producer. Um, his shows are always fucking sold out. Like he's got a good email list. He and the crowds are good. They're like, you know, like a, a solid like middle age crowd, like 30s, 40s, 50s sort of crowd. Uh, like no young dummies and they're not ancient either. So and they uh, they have disposable income, too. So they don't really care how much the fucking ticket is. They just want to go on a night out. So he asked me when I was at the Georgetown show a couple weeks ago, like, hey, actually, I got this gig on Thursday. Do you want to headline that gig? It's in Aurelia, which is about a two hour drive for me. And I was like, ah, ah fucking I already got, I knew my day was going to be fucked with the triple radio show pea meal bacon campaign. But I was like, I think like, you know, I'm going to be done anyway. So I'm going to be tired. But fuck it. Let's let's hit the road. So I hit the road. I drove up to Aurelia. Fucking drive sucked. Uh, but I got there. And uh, it's this pizza place, and apparently they've been running the show since 2017. And Greg's been like, yeah, this is one of my, like, rock steady rooms. You know, they're good. The, the ticket price is a little bit lower. It's, like, only 10 bucks a head, which we'd want to see at around 20 because then you get a b better control of the room, right? Like, when someone pays 20 bucks to see a show, they're more likely to fucking pay attention. When it's 10 bucks or 5 bucks or even free, people are like, I don't – there's no value here. Like, I don't give a fuck. So not necessarily the highest price tickets, but still, uh, you know, everyone was there for the show and the venue is all about it. Like the staff loves it and everything. So uh, Greg, it's just me and Greg. We were, we're Reese dropped out and whatever, whatever. We couldn't find anyone. Oh, hang on. I dropped my little fucking, my little, uh, I found it, but it was my little Allen key for adjusting the saddles on my Stratocaster. Um, <laughs> So I show up and it's Greg and it's me and we were just doing a two-man fucking show. Greg goes, I'm going to do 15, 20 off the top and then you do 45, you know, whatever. And we'll do a little over an hour and that'll be the show. I'm like, okay, fucking perfect. So now I'm sorry to advance Greg for telling this story, but I have to. Because <laughs> Greg goes up there and uh, he's worried because this is a crowd, you know, like I said, this show's been going on for a while and the crowd knows him and he hosts I've known him to host every single show that I've ever worked for him. So he's also kind of double pulling double duty as the producer and the host of the show, which is good in one sense because you're always guaranteeing yourself stage time and a paycheck. But then it's also bad because if you keep running those same rooms, you're going to get repeat customers, hopefully. And then, you know, as a comedian, you don't want repeat customers too, <laughs> too close you know, you want to give yourself some time to fucking come up with some new shit. So he was all stressed because there was a couple tables, like big tables that had already seen him and that show and whatever. So he's like, fuck, fuck, like I can't do the old shit or whatever. So he's like, I'm just going to fucking do some crowd work or whatever. So Greg goes up and he fucking goes his first within eight seconds. He says the word twat. And now I can't remember whether he had called an audience member a twat or his own wife a twat. But the general thing that happened was within eight seconds of going on stage, not, hey, everybody, how you doing? We got a great show lined up for you tonight. Your headliner has done the Just for Last Festival in Montreal and he's whatever. And here he is. It was, hey, you fucking dumb twat, shut the fuck up. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no. Uh, like my comedy bells are, it's like a fucking submarine that's taking on water in different parts of the hull. And then the alarm bells start going off. And I'm like, Jesus, fuck. Like, that's pretty gnarly. And he's just like, yeah, my wife's a fucking dumb twat. Just like you, you, you dumb twat. And he kept saying twat, which is like such a weird word. Like, it's like, it's like, I think it's more offensive than cunt. Like, I feel, I feel like with the exposure to like Australian and British culture and TV shows, like, and, and kind of the normalcy of that word down there, it's getting a little bit more normal here in Canada. But like twat is a, is a word you ha I haven't heard since like the 90s. 
And like, and he's saying dumb twat, which is like, it's, it's got very misogynistic connotations to it. So within like, I honestly, this is like for real within 18 seconds, I think he said twat like three times. And so it's like this guy, (laughs) it's like this guy where they were doing a fucking excavation site and he called in the fucking backloaders to to start hauling earth. Cause this guy was on a mission to dig a fucking hole for himself. So he fucking digs this massive hole, like I'm talking massive. And the crowd is there for the show. Now, albeit, now this is why I mentioned this earlier, it's $10 tickets because fucking Greg does his little twat routine and everyone's like, Jesus, fuck, man, like that is gnarly. And then after he does that, what's your name, buddy? What do you do? And then proceeds to what's your name, buddy? What do you do? The entire rest of the room. And it's like, (laughs) what's your name? What do you do? Is like, I don't know if there's any young comics listening to this. That's not crowd work. Okay. That is not crowd work. Going into the crowd and asking the crowd questions is not crowd work. Okay. Um, You're not fucking Mike Bullard. This isn't the eighties. This isn't the nineties. Do not lean on the mic stand and ask the, ask the crowd questions. Okay. If you want to interact with the audience, feel free to come up with a creative way to interact with the audience, but do not ask them what, what their name is, what they do for a living. If they're fucking where, where, if they're from out of town, don't just poll the fucking audience, polling the audience and hoping to God that you have something funny to say about whatever the fuck they do for a living or whatever the fuck the answer is is like you're out there in the deep waters now, man. Like you don't like you're completely unpredictable and chances are you don't have. And I'm not talking about Greg. I'm just talking about any comic in general, myself included. Like you don't have and the audience doesn't want to hear this either, but you don't have the chops to fucking pull this off. And this isn't the 80s, bro. Like that that was like a, uh, like a, oh, what do you do, buddy? Like, it's like everyone knows what everyone does now. It's like you have pro LinkedIn profiles, like you social media associated. People put that in their jaw, like, j- like. It's, um, it used to be an identity marker, but it's, I don't know. I guess it still is, but it's like, whoa, what do you do, buddy? What if they say like, I'm a sales lead and you're like, oh, sales lead. Oh, uh, 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 what, what do you sell? Uh, we sell, we, uh, B2B optimization strategies. Oh, do you now? Like it's. <laughs> Like, what are you doing? Like, this isn't stand-up comedy. Stand-up comedy is fucking tell a joke. So now all that to say uh, that Greg, as a, as much as I love him, he fucking does the twat. He, he, he opens up with a fucking 20-foot twat hole that he buries himself in. And then he fucking does, what's your name, buddy? What do you do for like 10 minutes? And this guy is like sticking in the silence. Now, here's where the $10 tickets come in because any crowd that's on the outlier that isn't in the, in the immediate blast zone of getting talked to, well, they're just going to start talking to each other because, you know, we're not going to get up and leave. We're here for the show, but this isn't necessarily a thing. And I could see little conversations starting quiet at the table close to me because I'm in the back and then a little more. Oh, and then someone show, whips out their phone and then you have another table of girls, one girl, two, two girls, three girls on their phone now. And now you start to hear this slow hum of like a room of a restaurant starting to reacquaint itself with being a restaurant. And fucking Greg is like hanging in the silence like he's like a fucking boxer, like taking face shots. Like (laughs) he was just taking it on the chin and like letting it hang. And like with a confidence that was honestly admiring, like 
I that I admired. Like I was like, this is wild. Like I would be freaking the fuck out right now if I was doing this. And he was letting it hang. And then fucking, and then lost control of the room is just like, okay, well, nobody's really listening to me right now. And then kind of like doing whatever. So fucking Greg is supposed to do, <laughs> he's supposed to do, and the, don't worry. I said, we had this conversation after the show, everything I'm saying into this microphone, we all, we talked about, and he said to his face. So don't worry. No, I'm not speaking out of turn here. So fucking Greg is supposed to do 1520 and this guy, so I'm like looking at my phone, it's like 943 and I'm like, okay, like he's been on stage for 20 now, like 20 minutes. I'm like, he must be wrapping it up. I got to be on stage in like a couple minutes. So he does another couple jokes and then he goes and he proceeds to do my intro, which he should have done at the top of the show. And he goes, man, but sorry, but we, do we ever got a great headliner? He's done just for laughs. He's done this, that. He's in the back of the room, guys. You're going to love him. Drew Bame is here tonight. And, they, and he brings it back with a big applause break. And then I stand up, like, trying to be like, bro, like, great. Like, just fucking cut your losses, bro. Bring me up on stage. You just did an intro. And he goes, and he looks at me and he goes, five. He, like, flashes me a full hand, indicating to me that he's, he wants to do another five now. Which, uh, because he said, I have an autistic son, which he's got this bit about his autistic son. But I know that bit is a 15 minute bit. Like from working with this guy, I know that it's a 15, possibly even 20 minute long chunk of this. And he starts tearing into it. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> like, okay. Like you've been off for 20. So now it's like nine forty fucking seven or whatever the fuck. And he launches into his bit and, uh, and then he goes until after 10 o'clock. It was like 10.07. So he did 40-ish minutes, like plus, 40-plus minutes, which is a, the time that I'm supposed to do as the fucking headliner. <laughs> and it was like so. And I was like, why are you doing this to yourself, man? Like, you, you're the boss. You can leave at any time. You can clock out and none the wiser, bro. But he fucking stays in the pocket. And these are the jokes that he was worried about telling off the top. And eventually, I guess he, he said after, he's like, fuck it. I'm going to just do some fucking material right now. Because in his he knew he was bombing. Like, we all were there. <laughs> so then he does the jokes. And uh, and they start going well. And uh, the audience told it. We found out after that they like, the, like, crowds know, like, what they're going to get. Like, they know they're coming to see the same show. But there's a different headliner and whatever. Do the jokes. They like to hear it. I've had people tell me that, like, yeah, no, it's like they come back and see me and I feel guilty. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm doing the same jokes. A guy in Ottawa, uh, I'll tell you this story in a, in a couple minutes, but a guy in Ottawa was just like, Nabil the Thrill, former MMA fucking fighter. I was like, sorry, I was kind of telling the same jokes as last time. He's like, buddy, I that's why we came. <laughs> like, I love that joke. I came to see it again. It's, so it's kind of like, you know, especially if you have energy or you bring some kind of fucking something else other than the words to it, the people are just happy to and they, and they want to be there. It's not like they were like, well, I guess we'll go. Well, like, hopefully, Drew, like we really loved him last time. But fuck, if he's telling the same jokes, we're going to be pissed. Right. Like, no, they're comedy fans. They're part of the they're part of it. So we found out after the table was like, bro, why the fuck did you do all that crowd work? Like we were cool with the jokes. And Greg was like, fuck. So finally he does the bit and whatever and he fucking brings me on stage and then I have no other choice but to fucking pull a move on him that Scott Belford pulled on me in Carnduff, Saskatchewan in 2011. Now I've told this story before. It was the worst ball of my life, but if you haven't heard it, I will refresh your memory. Essentially, we drove 11 hours to Carnduff, Saskatchewan. We had five minutes until showtime when we arrived to the venue. It was an all-men's club. We're having their men's night and they, half the town was border cops. 
for the border of like North Dakota and Saskatchewan. And I was a 21 year old long hair weed comic with no experience. And I fucking start doing weed jokes and I bomb so hard that they light me four minutes into my 20 minute set. Belfort goes on stage and he goes, well, fuck that guy. And he gets an applause break. <laughs> so taking a page out of the fucking Scott Belford school of going up after the MC bombs. Uh, they hand the mic, Greg hands the mic off to me. And, and honestly, the crowd is a little unsure. They're a little wary. And I go, don't worry. Like, Hey guys, how you doing? And they're like, Ooh, like, fuck, don't keep asking us questions. I'm like, don't worry. Like I'm a way better comic than Greg. So we're good. <laughs> like you guys, you're in good hands now. Don't worry about it. Like that. I'm about better. I'm better than him. <laughs> they got a huge laugh. And it broke the ice. And I had told Greg, I like, was I was coming up stage, I'm like, I'm sorry for what's about to happen. And then I told him after, I'm like, sorry. And he's like, dude, no problem. Like, I fucking deserved it, all this shit. Um, so then I went up and I do my first joke, which is like always works. And this is a testament to how far the audience needed to come back was it got a very tepid response to the point where it was like a dog being pet on its head. And it was like, wait a second, you're not throwing a haymaker at me right now? Like, whoa. Like, and then, so I had to work hard for like five minutes to get them in the zone where they were like, you know, trying to, it's like trying to make like a 47 year old woman come. You're like, there's a lot, <laughs> like there's a lot of knobs and buttons and t twisties that you got to fucking, <laughs> you got to do. So fucking, uh. So I finally get him in a good spot and then I'm like, hey, now we're good and I'm just going to rip and I let it rip. And then I'm like, this bartender looks like Miley Cyrus, which he did. And I was like, you look like an overweight Miley Cyrus. And he, <laughs> he fucking did. And then everyone's called him Miley after. So I have a good show and uh, and everyone is happy. So now the next morning, uh, I got to uh, wake up and I got to drive to fucking Ottawa, which is like, I'm like a week after Bill Burr, like Bill Burr's there doing the fucking civic center, 2,700 tickets. I'm there doing the laugh lounge, 27 tickets, <laughs> but you know, Ray and him are on the same tour schedule just a week behind. And he said on his podcast, he went to Dave's drum shop. So I'm like, Oh, I'm going to go to a guitar store on my Saturday off and just look at guitars. Cause that's what I like. That's my hobby is mu is guitar playing. And maybe there'll be a left-handed fucking American jazz bass or a Telecaster that I, cause those are the two things I'm in a market for is I'd like, a, I'd like a fucking maple. Like, even though I already have it, I have a Squire seventies jazz bass, but I'd like an American fucking like maybe from like, I don't know, the early nineties made some nice ones. Anyways, um, so I drive to Ottawa, fucking shit show, hell of a drive. The 401 is fucking absolute trash. They shut it down. I had to backtrack. It took me almost seven hours to get there. Just fucking garbage, um, drive there, but whatever we get there. And I have to tell you that Friday night, first of all, Wafik Nasrallah is hosting, who's like an OG Canadian comic. Like he was one of the first Brown guys to ever do comedy in fucking Canada. He said when he started, it was just him and Russell were like, and maybe like, I guess Welby, but whatever, that doesn't count. Um, <laughs> he doesn't count as a standup. Uh, so yeah. And he said, fucking, uh, so Wafik OG guy, like his, his comedy now used to play all the time when I was a kid and then, uh, Adam and then, oh yeah. Steph Neal is middling and she took a bus up. She said she took the bus up and, and, uh, she got stuck in that traffic and was on the bus for eight hours from Toronto to Ottawa, eight fucking hours. Like that sounds like a goddamn nightmare. And an hour and a half or an hour 45 of it was a complete standstill on the 401. So anyways, uh, we got uh, Wafik Dasrala uh, hosting Adam Ajikar, who's like a newer stand-up. He's only like six years in, but I saw him for the first time this weekend. He's good. He's got a lot of promise. 
Uh, his opening bit is a little kind of I don't I don't want to say hacky. I don't want to ruin it either, but it's like it's 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 like five year in comedy level bit where it's like it works and it works on crowds and it works for contests, but you want to go a little bit deeper as a stand up comedian. You don't want to just fucking lie. Like you can lie, you can exaggerate and stuff, but you don't want to. I don't know. It's not, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things like, would this joke work if you were famous? And it's like, oh no, this joke would absolutely not work. So it's one of those things, but it's still a good joke and whatever. And he's a good comic and he shows a lot of promise and he's, he's about my age too. It's so funny seeing guys that I'm like, this guy's got to be older than me and he's younger than me. And I'm like, fuck, I'm old. (laughs) Um, (laughs) so it was really good show. And I, I honestly, it was actually one of the best shows I've ever had in my entire life. Like I'm like, it was just the magic was in the air. The crowd was the right age and mindset for me. And like, it was just ideal, like circumstances. Everyone smashed very diverse show. You know, Stephanie's like a little white girl. Adam is black. Wafik's brown. I'm a tall white guy. Like we had a bunch of different, like varying viewpoints. I'm 23% gay, you know, lots of different, (laughs) lots of different things uh, to talk about. Um, so it was honestly one of the best sets I ever had. I was like riffing. I finally, I'm kind of got this new shit in a place where I'm like, I, I, it's, I'm, I'm kind of chipping away at the babies there, like killing my babies and I'm getting rid of the unnecessary words. And I'm really working on like, when am I going to laugh at the jokes in my set? Because that is one of the defining features of my style is laughing at my own material and having fun up there. But I listened to a couple sets and I was like, ah, it's, it's a little annoying in some points, but it also works in others. So I got to figure out when and where. So I'm kind of trying to, I'm trying to work on just like dropping the joke and just sticking to it, like landing it, like letting it hang in the air and then seeing what happens. And if I feel like laughing, then I'll laugh. But if I don't, then I'm not going to, I'm not going to force it. Right. So Honestly, one of the best sets ever. Uh, I recorded it. If you want to listen to it, uh, just send me a message. I'll send it to you. It's all that old shit. But there was some really good crowd work. And then I brought my guitar on stage and I was doing, I'm doing some improv shit now. I got all my 10 second songs written out. And then I was like, I don't know. Ever since I've been sober, uh, like I feel like my connection to the muse is a lot more instant and it's a lot deeper. Like I'm finding that uh, I'm exploring the stage. I, I honestly, on Friday, I felt like the closest I've ever felt to how I was in high school, which was when I was operating on full cylinders. Like there was no, like artistically and creatively, cause I had no preconceptions of what's right and wrong. I was just our artist. Like I was just a musician and an improviser and an actor. And that was the pure of it. There was no right or wrong. It was just be pure and, 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 and live with the muse. Right. So it was the closest I had got to that feeling since like 2007, which is really good. So it's good. It's convincing me to stay on the fucking sober train for a little bit at least. And then, um, and then also just like, yeah, I don't know. I just like, I felt good about doing stand up. Like, like, I don't know. It just felt good. So I knew coming into Saturday. Oh, so then Friday I went to Spaceman Music, um, in, on Gladstone Avenue in Ottawa. And there was like two long hair guys that like looked like me. Like it looked like I was like clocking in. <laughs> I was like, yeah, like Fred Flintstone when he clocks in and out of the fucking rubble, whatever the fuck. It, like I felt like I was like, I could just uh, immediately assume working here. <laughs> like I like you guys have a Microsoft point of sale. Okay, sick. Where's the strings? Uh, we're good. <laughs> like I could work here starting right. You guys take a break. I got it. Because <laughs> I've worked in guitar stores for so long. 
So I looked around and obviously I'm like, what's, where's your lefties? And they didn't really have too much. Um, but they had an old fucking Roland, uh, JR 5 synth or whatever the fuck. And I was like, Oh, that's fun. So I started fucking around with some synth. Like those like early 2000 synth patches are sick because the computers were like smarter and like, I don't know, but they still were corny anyways. Anyways. Uh, Oh, what is that? Is someone trying to message me? Oh no. Okay. never mind. Um, so then Saturday I had a good show. Obviously not going to be as good as Friday, but I knew that coming into it when you have one of those like magical sort of like, you know, shows like like you get those you get maybe like two or three of those a year. So I was like, well, it's nice to get one. And uh, and then, yeah, and Saturday was good. And then uh, <clears throat> I had to leave super fucking duper early. I told Steph I'd give her a ride home instead of taking the fucking bus again. I was like that. I don't like that sounds horrible. So we left at like 630 in the morning, which was awesome because there's no traffic. Took me seven hours to get to Ottawa and five hours to get home. So, and I was thinking about when I was like an alcoholic comedian, like sometimes I'd leave Saskatoon at, at like, I'd get a late checkout. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? Getting a late checkout all because you just fucking partied until three in the morning? Like, what is wrong with you? Um, oh, Terry, relax. It's like, why you could have been home and like at the gym already. Like, you know, it's like you're like checking out at noon from Saskatoon and getting home at six because my gig's not till eight in Edmonton. So I'll just go home, fucking shower up real quick and then hit the stage again. And then it's control C, control V for the next 10 fucking years. Right. Like so dumb. So that's the other gift of either, you know, age or wisdom or sobriety or whatever the fuck. But um, is that you can leave at 630 in the morning and you probably should. <laughs> but not Paul's Fiend. Don't leave after the gig. Uh, yeah, so I had a really good weekend and then Sunday was the Masters and I watched fucking Kepka just completely collapse, which is all right. Like I like Kepka, I guess like he's kind of a, like I watched that full spin or whatever Netflix documentary. And it's so funny to see that this guy built a trophy case in his house, um, you know, like for all his wins. And then he has all these empty spots. Like this is where my master's one is going to go. And there's a spot right in the middle for when he wins the masters and he's down by 13 strokes coming into Saturday. And it's like, yo, Kep's Brooksy might actually fucking pull this one off and just a complete fucking meltdown. He shot 75 on Sunday and Phil Mickelson at the age of 52 shoots 65. And it's funny. Uh, I can't, <clears throat> who made this observation? I'm stealing it from someone. I don't know who. Who the fuck made this observation? Someone I'm friends with was like all the live golfers. Oh, Julian. Uh, Natalie, we had some friends over. And Julian goes, all the live golfers look like villains. Like they're all wearing like black with like these logos and these aviators. And like they look like golf villains. And Phil especially. Uh, but it was good to see the fucking, uh, you know, the P the two, the number two and number three was the live guys. And number one was Rom, the PGA guy. Cause I still think like, bro, as whatever, I understand the decision, like in terms of like economically to take that, that money from live golf and like, whatever, like, you know, you got to put your family first, but also bro, it's like, like legacy is so much more important. I think like, you know, we're talking about at the end of your career, you know, were you going to be poor if you stayed on the PGA tour? <laughs> like probably not. Like I understand like you have lifestyle creep and it costs, you know, $14,000 a month just to run your pool. So, you know, but you can make adjustments. You don't have to live in the mansion in Jupiter. Like you can fucking make adjustments. Uh, anyway, anyways, uh, nice to win. Nice weekend, and now I am back. Uh, where the fuck, what do I got going on this week? So we're going to hopefully get those ideas approved for the P-Meal Bacon campaign. 
Uh, Paul's birthday is on uh, Wednesday. Oh, I'm in uh, Kitchener-Waterloo at the Crazy Canuck on the 14th. So if you are a Kitchener person and you listen to this podcast, I'm coming back. Kitchener-Waterloo on Friday. All right. How long is this? Holy fuck. 27 minutes. That's too long. Uh, promotional consideration for this week with Drew is provided by our patrons. Would you like access to bonus content like stand-up comedy sets? Uh, the, every set I've ever done since 2011. Um, also interviews and uh, whenever the fuck you want. And also the warm, cozy feeling that you get from, from, uh, donating to this podcast. Well, then you could be like these fine folks, Kevin and Joyce, uh, James, new guy, Mark, Tony, Smog, uh, Nick and Mac, Bubba, Marnus, motherfucker, street demon. Does Cam Smith look like jet ski? Let me know. Uh, our number one fan, Joel, and in the hall of fame, call it Andre Blair and Taryn say they name. What up? Wanum. Hi, Mink. Uh, oh, also, yeah, Andre, I don't know if your buddy fucking came to the show. Uh, nobody came up to me after saying I'm fucking Andre's buddy. I was looking for a guy, like a haggard looking guy <laughs> to come up and be like, yo, I smoke a joint. <laughs> be like, oh, this must be Andre's buddy. <laughs> I was waiting for that to happen, but no, no. Some guy with a fuck Trudeau bumper sticker. I was just waiting for that, but I didn't see him. So fuck Trudeau anyways. Uh, go to patreon.com slash Drew Sign up for as little as five bucks. Come on. Come on. Fuck. Come on, fuck. Just fucking do it. Go <laughs> go to patreon.com slash Drew Bain. Uh, also, promotional consideration for this week with Drew is provided by our Patreons. Would you like... Oh, no. I just did that commercial. <laughs> I, I, I only have one sponsor and I forgot. Uh, it's provided by kingtutscannabis.com. That's right. You can buy weed for very cheap and even cheaper... Using my promo code, go to kingtutscannabis.com or .cc. Use the promo code Drew for 10% off your order at checkout. Uh, they sent me a fuck ton of, what is this that I'm smoking on? I really like this. Forbidden Runts. Like, I really like this. It's like bright green and uh, the buds are nice and thick. They're cured properly. Um, and it kind of has a UK cheddar sort of vibe. But but with um, like an indica dominant sort of smell. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah. Uh, I like that one. Obviously, I like the Tom Ford pink Kush. And then uh, what else was I smoking on? What the fuck is that ounce? I still got so many ounces here. Pink 2.0. I still got. I haven't tried that one, but it looks just like pink Kush. Uh, go to kingtutscannabis.cc. Use the promo code Drew for 10% off your order at checkout. Okay. Uh, stick around. I'm going to play just a truncated guitar solo, and then we will get the fuck out of here. Hang around for just a moment, would you? Okay, so I'm in Kitchener on Friday, and uh, yeah, tell your mom. <laughs> this is dark, ethereal, melodic backing track in A minor. I don't. I think I didn't like this one, but whatever. I'm trying to make it.
All right, night night. Don't forget about your bonus. Sticking around for your bonus. Put it in your pipe and smoke this. Your bonus. <laughs>